All right. Well, I just want to introduce a new series that we're going to be starting. Uh, And it's going to be out of Philippians chapter 3. And so for homework this week, I want you to go through Philippians chapter 3. And I want you to read it, if you can, in the Amplified version. Because the Amplified amplifies it. And there are some things in there that I want you to start to glean from. Now, this is the example of Paul is what it says here is what Philippians Philippians 3 is talking about. But then it it goes from the example of Paul into what is called the high calling of God. And because it's Resurrection Sunday, I'm going to start in verse 10 and just start to teach just a little bit on probably verse 10 to 14 today. But we're going to stay here in Philippians 3 until we really mine what I feel like God is wanting us to speak to us in this season. So for homework this week, read Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to bring out a few things here out of starting in chapter 10. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Version. Now this is, I love this, this is is a really powerful chapter. I love Philippians 3. But the Apostle Paul, starting in verse 10, I feel like this has almost been a, this scripture has always jumped out to me in the Amplified Version because I feel like, I feel the same way. Like I feel that this, this scripture, I totally relate to this scripture as like my life calling. And so I'm going to read it. It says this, For my determined purpose is that I might know him. I'm going to read that again. My determined, I've decided, my decided purpose is that I might know him. Who's him? God, right? And then then it amplifies that word know, which is the Greek word gnosko, which isn't just like, you know, we know Oprah or we know, you know, I don't know, right? Superman. You know, it's no, this knowing that is intimate. And this is how the Amplified amplifies it. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And then it says, in the same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. Dude, this is incredible. Paul is saying, I want to gnosko him. Now, that gnosko is also a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse. This is such an intimate knowing. I want to know him from the inside out. I want to know God. But I don't want to just know God. I want to know the power that was released in his resurrection. And I don't want to just know it like I know Oprah. I don't want to have this theoretical knowledge of the resurrection where we dress up on Easter Sunday and come in and celebrate the resurrection because Jesus is alive, you know, which is, I praise God for tradition. I'm not, there's not, I'm not trying to make fun of that. I'm just saying that's not what Paul was saying. He's saying, I want to gnosko the, re- the resurrection. I want to experience, I want to progressively come to recognize and become acquainted with. Intimately, I want to experience resurrection. And the Amplified says it this way, which it exerts over believers. So guess what? The the resurrection, the power outflowing from the resurrection just didn't happen 2,000 and whatever years ago. That power 
that came out of the grave, that power that rose Jesus from the dead is still being exerted in us, for us, through us. It's that power. We are so asleep to that power. We live such little grasshopper existence because we are asleep to the power of the resurrection. And it says here that I may so share in his sufferings to be continually transformed. Wait a second. Now we see, we read that, we read that, and we think we're going to suffer. I want to share in Jesus' sufferings. Oh, I'm just going to bear the, my cross. I'm going to take the cross up, and I'm going to, be, I'm going to share in his suffering. I'm just going to be persecuted, and I'm just going to, you know, overcome my flesh for Jesus. That is not what that means. It means that you are going to experience the crucifixion, your co-crucifixion, the suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross. You're going to become so co-crucified. I'm crucified with Christ. I'm going to so share in that suffering that Jesus suffered that it's going to be, I'm really going to be crucified. Now, this is all mystical. It doesn't mean you're literally going to go, you know, erect a cross across the street and go get, you know, crucified. This is a mystical union that you're going to experience. How are you going to experience the resurrection except mystical? I mean, this is, this is talking a spiritual reality that can be experienced. This is about a spiritual reality of God and your ability to know him, even though he's spirit. This is about you being able to experience um, the, the resurrection as though it's still actually happening right now in you. And it's about experiencing what happened on the cross, like it actually still is actually happening in you, that you literally are living crucified. It's talking about this is a, this is a right now reality. And Paul says, I want to gnosko it. I don't want to just hear about it. I don't want to just read the Bible about it. I don't want to just hear a little nice little homily about it. I don't want to hear a multimedia presentation about it. I want to experience it for myself. Here's what it says. And I want to experience it, these sufferings, as to be continually transformed in the spirit of his likeness, even in his death, in the hope. There's a reason why he wants to do it. He doesn't just want to experience it for experience's sake. He doesn't want to just gnosco God because that would be cool. He doesn't want to just gnosco God's resurrections and Jesus' resurrection because it seems like a good idea. He doesn't want to just experience the crucifixion because it seems like, you know, a good Christian thing to do. No, he has a reason. He says, because, I've got to go find my thing, that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me from among the dead while in the body. Now, let me say it a different way. He says, I am hoping, I think it's possible to live glorified, to live post the return of Jesus, to actually experience this resurrection that Jesus accomplished and was going through walls and he was a resurrected being that he told, don't touch me, I've not yet ascended. I think that it's actually possible to be so co-identified with that that I can actually live as though I'm no longer among the dead while I'm still living in a body that's dying. He's saying, I can live glorified this side of heaven. 
I can live resurrected before I actually die and then resurrected. I can live a transfigured life right now. I believe it's possible and I hope that it's possible. And if I gnosco it, if I just know it, if I just experience it, if I just submit to it, if I just give my determined purpose to this point, I believe this is what will happen. And I believe Paul's life demonstrated that it is possible. I believe Paul is a living example, now past example, but he's an example of what it means to gnosco that. And then he says, not that I've already attained this ideal. Now, you guys, we think, I don't know what we think when we read. We read these scriptures so out of context. We're like, oh, just forgetting those things that lie behind. I press towards the mark. Not that I've already attained it. Oh, I screwed up today. We just think, oh, you know, forgive me. I haven't yet attained it. But that's not what Paul was saying. He hadn't attained the glorified, resurrected life before he actually was resurrected from the dead, even though he believed it was possible. That was his goal. This was his purpose. Wow. This is our assignment. This is our assignment to take the full measure of what Jesus accomplished when he, when he came up out of that grave and was victorious over death, that, that victory is supposed to be not just experienced, but demonstrated. Jesus is alive right now, not just seated in the Father's right hand. He's alive in you. And that's supposed to be demonstrated. The power that he defeated Satan with is supposed to be demonstrated in you. Through you, through me. And not that we've attained it. Have we attained it? No, we haven't attained it. Just like Paul. Paul says, not that I've attained this ideal. I've already been made perfect. But I press on to lay, to grasp and to make my own that which Christ the Messiah laid hold of me and made me his own. Read, this is the reason Jesus laid hold of you. Jesus chose you and laid hold of you for this reason, so that his resurrection could be exerted over you, so that you could live glorified as though you already were in heaven, even though you're now here in the down, dirty earth. This cross, this resurrection was not just something we celebrate because of what he did. It's something we celebrate because it's something he's still doing. He's still doing it. He's doing it right now. In those who believe. And the only reason it's not happening is because we don't believe. And he's, Paul says here, I press towards the goal. And then he said, I press on towards the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling me upward. But he says this. I don't consider, brethren, that I've captured or made this my own yet, but the one thing I do, this is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Now, I'm going to start here. We're going to pick it up next week. But he says here, forgetting what lies behind. You know how most Christians think that, that what that means? Most believers think, well, I'm just not going to think about it. I'm just going to forget it. Like it never happened, we're going to forget it. But the problem is, it's not forgotten. It may not be in your conscious memory, but it's in your memory bank. 
You know why? Because without Jesus, no one has the power to purge their conscience. Jesus is the only power that actually causes someone to forget. What, Shalise? No, I'm telling you, Jesus can supernaturally cause forgetting. He can transform the past. What? How can he transform the past? Shalise, it's in the past. It actually happened. Because it only lives in your memory. The past only lives in your memory. The past lives in your memory. You know the past is past? Did you know it actually is over? You're not in it anymore, like it's not happening right now. It's actually in the past. But you know, what keeps the past alive? Us. We keep it alive. And we think as a coping mechanism, just forgetting it is the way to deal with it. Oh, the Bible says just forget what lies behind. No, it is a supernatural thing to forget what lies behind. It is a supernatural thing for your past to actually, your past can be transformed. What, Shalise? You can't go back and undo that. Jesus can. Jesus can actually undo your past. Why? Because everything we experience in our past, first of all, is being experienced through whatever filter we had on at that time. Not only do we have a filter in our current experiences, but we had a filter when we went through whatever we went through. And I'll tell you right now, it wasn't Jesus' filter. So we're going to pick this up. We're going to start talk. We're going to dig down into this because this is the call to live a transfigured life. The name of this is called transfigured living. And we are called to live in a transfigured state. We are called to live like we're already alive. And like we're never going to die. Because guess what? We're not. Yes, our physical body is going to be taken off just the way you took off your coat this morning, as some of you did when you got here. You're going to take it off. You're going to take it off. The devil's not going to take it off of you unless you believe that. If you believe the devil's going to come in and rip your coat off of you through sickness and disease, then he's going to come in and rip your coat off of you in sickness and disease. But he does no longer has dominion over it. The devil doesn't have the power of death. Amen. Revelation chapter 1 says Jesus has the keys to hell and to death. The devil does not have the power to kill, still and destroy anymore except through unbelief. And we are going to be a believing church. We're going to believe right and we are going to live a transfigured life. And this is not just about this church. It's about what we carry. It's about who we are going to be and what God's going to do through this body and through this house and what... The people that are going to come to get transfigured because of you being the example of what that looks like. Because here's what I know. If I can do it, anybody can do it. I stole that from Charles and Francis Hunter, who had a ridiculous worldwide healing ministry, taught me how to pray for the sick, seen so many things after I learned how to pray for the sick from these people. You know, Francis Hunter didn't get saved until she was 49 years old. Meaning she didn't know, she didn't even know what it meant to be born again until she was 49 years old. And I'm telling you the international impact and legacy that this woman and this man left through just the decades that they, they served Christ. So it's not too late. Doesn't matter where you are in your life right now. That is a big fat lie. 
I don't care what your circumstances look like. I don't care how much money you don't have. I don't care what you've done in your past. I don't care how you've screwed it up. You know what? You, if your past wasn't in the way, you wouldn't even have a problem because you'd be with the fresh mental attitude being able to look at the problem without all the other problems in the past clouding where you are today. You would just sit there with this problem with a fresh mind because that's how God is. His mercy is new every single day. He forgets. It's like he doesn't. Re- I believe he's because he can supernaturally forget. I believe he actually does. I believe he supernaturally forgets our sin. I think he supernaturally, and I think he transforms it somehow. I think the mind of God has a purging mechanism that as believers we're supposed to have. Now, personally, I believe we're tapping into this stuff and these rethink RMRs. That's why I'm going more like a, like a, because I'm telling you, God told me 40 days. People are going to come here for 40 days. They're going to be come and they're going to be sent. 40 days. You know, that's how long Jesus taught his disciples on the kingdom after his resurrection. Do I know how it's going to happen? Heck no. But now that I met Nate, at least I have a little bit of a clue. I didn't know this existed. I didn't know there was such a thing as supernatural mind renewal. I had no idea. But I know that when I said that Paul forgets, he's not talking about... I mean, do you hear how he talks in some of these epistles? I've harmed no man. Like, hey, I like, what? You were, like, you were, like, killing Christians. I mean, I don't know. I've harmed no man. I think he was purged of sin consciousness. I believe sin consciousness got purged out of his conscience. They said, he's a madman. I think he kind of was because he was so close to the mind of God that it looked like foolishness to everybody else. He looked like a madman. That's what I believe. So. I know that was just a little intro, just a little intro to what we're going to do. But you got homework. You got enough to go home and say, maybe I've never read Philippians 3 before. Maybe I need to open it, crack up at this Bible a little bit and see what he's talking about, this transfigured living thing. Maybe it's actually possible for me to experience a, a, a realm of life called abundant life, called eternal life, right now, right here, in the down and dirty, in the middle of my problems, in the middle of the situation, and all of this junk that I'm stuck in right this minute. Maybe there's an alternative to this that if my past wasn't in the way, I wouldn't look at it the way that I do. And maybe there would be a breakthrough right here, standing in this place that would change the world. Not just change me, but change my family, change my city, change my region, change something. And maybe Jesus would actually live through me. I'm telling you guys, I can feel it in the atmosphere around here, the low-level thinking. And I've been doing too much work. I'm not coming down. I've done too much. I'm too far ahead. I've seen too much. I can discern too much. Am I perfect? Heck no, because I'm going to fall asleep right after I walk out of here just like the rest of us. Why? Because under this anointing, in this anointing, man, in this anointing, you can see stuff. You can be, you can say stuff. You can find, I mean, I just, I want to live in this, man. God help the devil in this place. But we got to live here. We got to live here. I've got to live here. I've got to come higher. We've all got to come higher. But we can do it. We're called to do it. And if you're a part of this, we got each other to encourage that we're going to do it. No matter how, how many times we have to go back to the chair, <laughs> you know. So anyway, I'm going to close just because it's, you know, we got Easter dinner to do. But, Father, I thank you for this group of people that are hungry for the word. 
I thank you for the people that are the, the people that are came today that are just man they're hungry I can feel the hunger I can feel the hunger I can and I can also feel like even though I said the low level mindset I can feel the real you who's not really in agreement with it like I can see that yeah it's there but you're just you're really you know better there's something in you that's like no no, it may, no. And I, I just, I, I blow on that voice. I blow on the real you. And when I say I blow on it, I mean I stir it up. I stir up the flame of your identity. I flame just the son of God that lives inside of you. I just stir that up in Jesus' name. And I say, come forth. Come forth, come forth, come forth. Rise up. And I just speak the disciplines that are necessary in your life to stay awake. I don't know what those look like. I don't know what they even look like for me, but dear Lord, you do. You know how we've got to get positioned so that we don't fall asleep, that we stay awake, God. You know if we've got to fast, we've got to pray, we've got to get up earlier. I don't know what we've got to do, but you know what we've got to do to stay awake. If it's Bill Winston on the podcast, if it's Shalise on the podcast, if it's, you know, I don't know what it is on the podcast, whatever it is, God, whatever it is, if it's worship, if it's whatever that is, to stay awake. I release that over every single person here. I declare, we're not just living natural lives, going through the motions here, guys. In Jesus' name, I declare that we are, we are awake, that we're Jesus in a Brian suit, in a Lori suit, in a Jason suit, a, in, a, in, a, in a Basil suit, in a Deb suit, in a, in a Shelly suit. We are Jesus in a, in, a, in, a, in a human tent everywhere we go, everything we do. In Jesus' name. Bring us up, Jesus. Bring us up. And as we read Philippians 3 this week, God, just open our eyes. Let us see it. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I just encourage you guys, you know, um, just let me know. Let me know what, how it's affecting you. Let me know what you get out of it. Let's, let's dig in to transfigured living. That's good news, isn't it? That's the gospel, isn't it? That's a reason to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, isn't it? I'm going to eat my Sunday dinner with, you know, some joy. I'm going to forget some more of what lies behind and press a little further towards the end of my meal, towards the mark. So, all right, you're blessed. Uh, We have prayer people. We've got testimonies. So avail yourself to ministry if you need that. Hug somebody's neck. Tell them they're awesome. And have a blessed Easter Sunday. I love you guys. Believe in you. You're awesome.